Thank you for downloading this sermon. We hope you've been blessed by this ministry. If you'd like to give back, please invest in the future of Clearnote Church through our capital campaign, Faithful Through All Generations. To make a donation, visit clearnotebloomington.com slash give. Good evening. Please open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, verses 11. We're going to be reading verses 11 through 13. Tomorrow, as we all know, is Thanksgiving. It's the day set aside each year to call to mind the things that we're grateful for. And we do have much to be grateful for. Each of us has been greatly blessed by God beyond what we could imagine or deserve. And so we're here tonight to give thanks, as Phil said, publicly for all the Lord has done. And so as we do this work, it's important for us as Christians to understand the true nature of thankfulness. What Scripture says we are to be thankful for and what we're actually ready to be thankful for are not always in agreement. Now what do I mean by that? The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 5 verse 20, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Scripture calls us to be thankful always for all things. Not sometimes for some things, or even often for most things, but always thankful for all things. And so that's that's big. There's no wiggle room for our thankfulness. But thanksgiving is something that can only be rightly given if there's a well that it springs from. It has to come from somewhere. And that well is contentment. Now what is contentment? Contentment is a heart that is happy in God. It's a soul that's satisfied in Him. And it gladly submits to and delights in God's fatherly will in every circumstance. And so there can be no true giving of thanks with our lips, what we just did this morning or this this evening as we sang the songs, unless our heart is first satisfied in God. Now that's easier for us to do when He's a God that gives when we get what we want. But one of the great challenges in the life of a Christian is to discover how to live in the midst of unwanted circumstances without feeling bitterness or resentment, without complaint or anxiety? How do you give thanks in all things and rejoice, as the Apostle Paul says, always? That's the real question. And just like we say around here about our marriages, that statement that submission isn't tested until there's disagreement, it's the same way with thankfulness. Our thankfulness is not proven until there are difficulties that we face. And those difficulties, what they do is they reveal to us that we are not thankful as God commands. Because if He says all things, and we're only ready to be thankful for the happy things, the things that go the way we want them to, it's just not true thankfulness. And so we need to have a biblical thanksgiving. And that can only come from a heart that is content. So let us now hear the word of the Lord from Philippians 4, 
beginning with verse 11. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is the word of the Lord. Now notice, first of all, here in verse 11, that the apostle Paul says that he has learned to be content in whatever circumstance. So the first thing I want to point out is that contentment is something that must be learned. If Paul, the best of Christians, didn't know it at some point in his life, then certainly all of us have to learn it. Now why do we have to learn that? Well, because contentment is something totally contrary to our nature. It's not something that we're born with. Prior to the fall, man lived in perfect union with God. There was nothing he lacked. Everything he needed, God gave to him. By partaking of the tree of life, he was content. He was satisfied. He was full. He had enough. Everything Adam needed was found in God. Life for Adam was paradise. But the fall changed all of that. Our father Adam sinned and turned away from the only source of joy and happiness. And instead, what he did was he chose a cheap, counterfeit, sugar-coated, poison apple version of it. And since the fall, the natural state of man is no longer contentment, but dissatisfaction. Every single one of us comes into this world unhappy. And one reason we know this to be true from experience is that there's no need to teach a man how to complain. Moms, when you got up this morning, you did not have to teach your children the secret of complaining. They were experts at it from the beginning. Because it's hardwired into them and it's hardwired into us. We're bitter and resentful. We grumble and complain. We throw fits when things don't go our way. We blame others for our circumstances. We never have enough. There is no end to the degree to which we waste our lives in frustration and fear and in victimhood. And someday we will all stand before God, the eternal judge, and give an account, Scripture says, of even the thoughts of our heart, our attitudes. So this is eternally significant. We must see ourselves restored to a state of contentment. The Apostle Paul says, I have learned. Contentment is a great mystery And it's one that must be learned because it's not natural to us as Christians. So contentment must be learned. And yet contentment is something that can be learned. Look at verse 11 again. He says, I have learned. Now this should give us all hope. Here we have the account of Paul the chief of sinners, saying, not only did I have to learn it, and I did have to learn it, 
but I did learn it. If you are a Christian, you have the very Spirit of God living inside of you, which means you have the power to obey God. Listen to what God says in Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27. Speaking of those under the new covenant, the Lord says this, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances." Do we believe this promise? Too often as Christians, we live and go through our lives with the expectation that we are powerless against our sin. And we say things like, but I'm I'm totally depraved. I can't obey what God says. That's, That's a lie from the pit of hell. What does the apostle actually say? I have learned what God commands, he gives. The point of the gospel is to make you obey the law of God. And so contentment is possible. We see that. Contentment is possible, but it's never automatic. It has to be cultivated like a rare plant in a garden. We have to take care and we need to be watchful and nurture and maintain the grace that God has sown into our hearts. Which means what? It means it's hard work. It's hard work. It's good work, but it's hard. Now what does contentment look like? Contentment is delighting in the will of God in every circumstance. In verse 12 we see Paul says, I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity in any and every circumstance. Now let me ask us all a question. What was the Apostle Paul's life like? Was it comfortable? Was it easy? Was it predictable? Did he have a five-year plan? I remember when my wife and I first got married, that was the first thing that we talked about was what was the five-year plan? How many of you all talked about the five-year plan when you got married? Okay, I'm glad I'm not the only one. What kind of schedule did the Apostle Paul keep? What was on his calendar each week? Well, he tells us in 2 Corinthians 12, Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, apart from such external things, as if that was not enough, 
there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Listen, the Apostle Paul's life was a roller coaster. He was a man who could identify with our circumstances and our difficulties. And yet he was able to go through any kind of situation. It says the times of plenty and the times of little with contentedness. Why? Well, because his happiness was not dependent on whether things went the way he planned. Every hardship and trial that Paul went through, he saw as a part of God's plan. And he learned to be free of his circumstances. Where was Paul when he was writing this letter? He was in prison. Prison. Chained to the wall. And you know what? The, uh, the apostle Paul was not chained. No, his chains were not in his circumstances. He was content in Christ. That's why he calls himself the prisoner of the Lord. His heart and mind and will and desires were bound to the will of his master, Jesus Christ. And his hope and joy was that the will of God was being accomplished through him at that moment in his suffering. The Apostle Paul gloried in doing the Lord's will. And his contentment came in conforming his own will to be united and one with God's. Not my will, Lord, but your will be done. That's what contentment looks like. Now, what about us? Let's ask ourselves the question, the painful question. Why are we so discontent? Is it because God is not all satisfying? No. No, Scripture says that in His presence there is fullness of joy. And at His right hand are pleasures forevermore. No, God is, that's not the answer. So then why are we discontent? It's because we believe Satan's lie that God is not enough. We're content, we're not content with our present circumstances because we think we deserve better circumstances, whatever that means. We are convinced that we're owed something from our kids, from our husband, from our wife, from our church, and from God. We're dissatisfied, and what do we do? We grumble in our hearts. Our basic attitude towards our circumstances is, I'm not getting enough. And this is our basic attitude towards God. <clears throat> now, you want to know something? Here's the truth. If God is not enough for you, Nothing will be enough for you. You will never be satisfied. Doesn't matter how much money you make, or the kind of job you work, or the amount of time you have, or the amount of control you think you have <laughs> over your life, you will always be dissatisfied with the things of this world. Because you and I were made to be happy in God alone. 
And anything else, anything, is just a cheap knockoff version of the real thing. So that leads us to the final question. What is the secret of contentment? Okay, David, you've got me. You've told me enough and enough and enough. I'm not content. <laughs> okay. So what, how do I get content? <clears throat> the world has an answer. I'll answer it. The world has an answer because the world always has an answer. There's no shortage of secrets that the world offers. Whatever you are dissatisfied with in your life, whatever I'm dissatisfied with in my life, the world has their solution that promises that we will be happy, fulfilled, and at ease. Some tell you that what you need in your life is more. If you're dissatisfied with your income, you need more. There's the get-rich-quick scheme. Others tell you that what you need is less. <laughs> you know, children are awfully inconvenient and expensive. We've got a solution that'll take care of that. <clears throat> if you're depressed and you're limited in your limited decorating ability and you're always comparing yourselves to everyone else in the church, no worries, there's Pinterest. Right, ladies? What is marketing and advertising? It's an attempt to satisfy our discontented hearts. The reason marketing is like this is because it's tapping into something that we all know that we need which is to be satisfied. Advertisements are the way they are because we are the way we are. We are all just restless and have an appetite for something that will satisfy us. And so what's the Apostle Paul's answer? Which secret is he talking about? Well, the answer is given in verse 13. He says this, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The secret of contentment is Christ himself. The contentedness that the apostle has learned was not the world's contentment. It is not based on his circumstances. It's found in the person of Jesus Christ who fills all and is all. That's the real secret, resting in Christ. All our sufficiency is found in him. He is the true source of joy and strength. He's our life supply. We get our, our it's like we, we get our blood flow from him. He's, he infuses strength into us. Christ, he's our living water, scripture says. John 7, 37. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Christ is our bread of life. John 6.35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger. Christ is our tree of life. John 15.5, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. 
for apart from me you can do nothing. We are made strong for the things in the one who is constantly feeding strength into us. Jesus abundantly supplies us with all nourishment. We feed on him in his word. We eat and drink him at his table. We abide in him, in his body, the church. And we do all this by faith. We rest in the power of Christ and trust that what he has promised to us, he will give. Just think of the wealth that you and I have in Christ. Just think of it for a second. All of those things that we heard, bread of life, living water. poorest Christian in the world is, has more than the richest pagan. We have so much in Christ. And if you are in Christ, the Apostle Paul says that he has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. Christ is the source of all contentment and satisfaction. And so I ask you tonight, are you satisfied in Jesus Christ? Is he enough for you? If you're like me, you, you would answer and you would say, no, <laughs> I'm not satisfied in him like I, th- like I should be. I'm in bondage to my circumstances. Repent. Don't sit there and look at yourself. I can't. Repent. Come to Jesus Christ. In him there is grace and mercy to help in time of need. In him you'll find true joy and satisfaction. And through Christ you will be able to face the most difficult things. Absolutely difficult. And still say, I've got everything I need. I've got it all. Christ is enough. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are enough. And we are far too easily pleased with the things of this world. Father, we thank you for your word that opens up to us and cuts us, shows us our need of you, shows us our weakness, and gives us hope that's only found in the death and resurrection of your Son. Father, I pray that you would free us from this world. Father, purge us from, um, purge us from our expectations of what we think happiness should be. Make us glad and joyful in you, Father. And I pray that uh, tonight and this week and throughout our lives that we would grow in thankfulness and peaceful, contentful hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.